Canine Detection Collaborative, a detection dog training trio with Stacy Barnett. Hi. Robin Grubel. Hey there. And Crystal Wing. What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative! Hi everybody, this is Stacy Barnett with Canine Detection Collaborative, and we are here. First of all, I've got my lovely co-host, Robin Grubel. Greetings. And a very, very special guest that we would... Super special guest, awesomeness. Yeah, that we'd like to introduce to all of you guys. And she is just fabulous. I actually spent a whole week with her in the spring. Christy Rock. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're, We're good. So good. We're really good because you're here. We're really, yes. Really oh, thank you. Christy is one of those people that I think I've known forever. or It's been a long time. And usually we typically kind of ask people, how did you get started in dogs? Yeah, that's a good question. So I got started in pet dogs, just at kind of at a young age, like late teens. And then when I was about 22, oof, that's a long time ago, my mother-in-law, she had become president of Golden Retriever Rescue. So of course, that being in the family, I started helping her with all facets of the breed rescue group. And for some reason, during all of that, I got a lot of the problem children passed down my way and had to kind of fast track into learning a lot about behavior and kind of how to turn this crazy dog into this nice pet dog that somebody wants. Just kept on rolling from there, moved into the working dog world mm-hmm. in 2013. A couple of our Goldens had passed away pretty close to each other and some. Um, really good friends of ours that were ex-law enforcement and then had became uh, breeders and trainers for law enforcement in Oregon, had a litter of puppies. We talked about it. And the main thing I remember from that conversation is if you do not give this dog a job, you will not like this dog very well. What kind of dog was it? It was a German Shepherd. Uh-huh. Um, she was born 11, 11, 11. That should have me and that something was going to be interesting. (laughs) It's got to be a lucky number. Yeah. She was a great dog. So we started out just in obedience and agility and rally and moved through all of those things. And when she was about a year old, somebody I knew said, I'm going to go meet with these search people because I want my dog to find bed bugs. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to go too. And it was not for bed bugs. It was for people. And that's where I met the search world and could not believe oh, this whole new world of things that dogs could do. Wow. And I dove in head first. Wow. Wow. So that's where I started back with breed rescue. Wow. And yeah. retrievers. So it's funny because I start asking questions about which dog was that? Because I remember people by dogs, right? So wow, that was Stella. That was Stella. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Stella was my heart dog. Oh. And she, I found out that she had uh, gastric lymphoma um, just a couple weeks before her, it was either her sixth or seventh birthday. 
and that was in November. And then by March, I, I went through this spiral of how can I save this dog? I know I can make it better and yeah. did all kinds of crazy things while my husband was like, are we, are you really cooking all that food for the, for the dog? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it made me, it made me feel better. And it, yeah. And then yeah. by March, that was, we were moving. We've all been there. All been there. So you had, so Stella, Stella did cadaver dog work. So at that point in time in our search unit, we had to cross train our dogs. So the, we had to do live find first. And okay. then once they were proficient and certified in live find, we could move over and start the HR human remains side. So she was cross-trained. She loved, loved, loved to find live people. However, the majority of our call-outs were not for live people. So yeah. Yeah. And then I know that I ran into, I think I ran into you at various search and rescue dog events. Mm-hmm. So actually I, the first time you and I met was so a good friend of mine, Robin Houston, her and I loved to seek out different organizations and different certifications just to kind of get get to know the or, different organizations. And so her and I had reached out to you to do an ARIES HRD certification. In Kansas. In Kansas, yes. And that's where I had first met you way back then. Yes. And then uh, several after that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's another wonderful human being. Yeah, Robin's yes. awesome. She's yeah. on our list to interview as well. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. As a warning for her. <laughs> All right. That's right. Sorry. I'm going to keep it a secret. I'm not going to tell her. Yeah, I had the opportunity to work with both of you guys when I was out there in, in Kansas City. Miskatatech. Yeah. Visiting. Yeah. Visiting, downloading, downloading from your your brain and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. highly, highly helpful for me. That's for sure. Well, and not too long ago, it was really interesting because you went from training search and rescue dogs to the next thing you know, I know you're like, yeah, I'm going out to the Carolinas for, yes, yes, I'm going to go train dogs for a living. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how did that end up happening? <laughs> yeah. So several years prior to that, I had met a man named Dave Mylan, who he owns Astro Kennels and, and Working Dogs in South Carolina um, through just through search stuff. So he reached out to me several times after that. And we just kind of bounced things off of you know each other's brains. We were very similar in our training style and our search style, just very much into it for you know the right reasons and training our dog. We had great dogs. We both had German Shepherd too. German Shepherd guy. Our dogs worked very similar, so we just kind of hit it off. Anyway, fast forward, he'd reached out wanting to know about I would be interested in maybe coming there to train dogs. So I tossed tossed it around, tossed it around, talked it over with my husband. And of course, at that point, he was like, whatever makes you happy, go, go do it. Good man. Yeah. Yeah. He is a great man. <laughs> so, but we, yeah, we won't let his head swell anymore. <laughs> So I tossed it around and I asked first if I could come out for like a trial period. So we did like a 90 day thing where I just went out and kind of learned the ropes and saw what their company was about. It's all working dogs and pet dogs and loved it. Sold my salon 
salon because I had done hair for a bazillion years also. Sold my salon to a very good friend. Moved. Just stayed out there, basically. So for about a year and a half, I worked under a NABWADA master trainer there. And I learned a ton about the working dog side. He also worked for the sheriff's department. So he was an active... Well, at that time, he was a sergeant. So he did not operate a canine, but he was over the canine unit. So I got lots of knowledge from a man who talks very fast. And I had to figure out a lot of what was going on there. But it was fun. That's where I learned about narcotics. I also was given this crazy, crazy yellow lab when I got there that was my project. They needed him to be trained for accelerant detection. So I got to train him my way. And which, so when, when I moved there, the person I trained under, he had this whole methodology and his, you train by, not by the book, in the box, basically in the box. And you, you get it done and you get it done fast. And it was good. It just wasn't a lot of the same things that I always do. So it was my project. I didn't like him very well. He was crazy. He had lived in a kennel and spun in circles for a year. (laughs) But I learned a lot. It took a lot of deep breaths with him. So there was another dog that we were training the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Not not your preferred. Yes. It wasn't necessarily my preferred method, but that's okay because I got to learn. Yes. these two dogs, my way and, and Doug's way, they they both came right up the chain about the same time. Um, they certified at the same time. They both went into law enforcement. Fabulous. So that was my first accelerant detection dog. Wow. Wow. That's fabulous. It was fun. So you did accelerant detection for them. And narcotics. And narcotics. And then not mm-hmm. too long ago, I was like, what do you mean you're going back out there? And you ended up spending how long out there? So actually, I moved back um, after like all the COVID junk really hit and just kind of a big eye opener on family and where I'm at. And so I thought, moved back. I have actually went back every winter-ish since I moved back. Last um, winter was, actually it was this year, was my longest visit. And I had a class of narcotics and uh, dogs first and then their handlers came after that so I was there for four months we had four it was either four or five it was three narcotics one finished dog that came back with a new handler he was narcotics also so there's four narcotics dogs there was an explosives and tracking dog and then there was came up while I was there there was a handler that needed an explosives dog and I didn't really feel like I had the time to start another dog when this came up. I had my dog with me who I had trained and certified in explosives, who was not working. It was an awesome, crazy Malinois. So I tossed some things around internally and thought about that dog and his life and what he could be versus what he was with me. And I decided to let him become an officer for the state of South South Carolina. And so he is an explosives detection dog. And his first gig was when a past president visited Columbia. It was Trump. So Trump visited um, Columbia, South Carolina. And that was Jinx's first deployment with the state of South Carolina. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel good that you can train a dog like that and then let him 
I can't like there's got to be a lot of mixed. I mean, I can't even imagine the mixed emotions. Very much. And then, yes, a lot of mixed emotions in there. But yeah, yeah. Tell us about your your current dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me look under the table here. So my current dogs are. So I have Jude. She is yeah. six years old. She's my German Shepherd. She is my certified humans remain protection dog. Uh-huh. And then I have Miller. I love Miller. Just a, Miller. Oh boy. He's a black lab. <laughs> He's a big goofball. I did not get him for a certain purpose. And um, when people say, well, you know, what, what's his job going to be? And I always say to love me. So and that's his job. <laughs> that's an excellent job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of a goofy boy. He's got a little quirky side. He has potential and we have done a lot of odor work. I just have kind of waited for him to mature and just kind of let him do his thing. And we have a five and a half month old bloodhound puppy. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we previously had a bloodhound that my husband and I were both certified with her in tracking or trailing, sorry. And she had a tumor that we didn't know she had it ruptured. And then 24 hours later, she passed. So that was my husband's heart dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extremely devastating for him. Like I was very surprised how devastating it was. So that was two years ago. So I would just follow certain breeders and kind of watch for pups to come up. And I would say, oh, look, this, they had a litter. And he's like, mm, mm. So a couple months ago, this little girl was reposted. I had already seen her once and she was the runt of the litter. She had to be pulled aside and bottle fed. And her home that she was going to go to that fell through, no fault of her own. And so she was relisted. And I was like, look, Blah, 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 blah. So then he was like, oh, well, I wonder what her parents look like. I took that because he <laughs> had not shown any interest in any puppies forever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's asking questions. So let's go. Yeah. Gosh, probably. Yeah. Two days later, I we drove up there, which was our actually our anniversary. I was going to say, was it like a special, like a special day? Yeah. 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 It was our anniversary and we met the breeder. She actually would drive to meet certain people. So she had met a group of us and there were two puppies left in the litter and I picked her up and held her for a second. And then I handed her to my husband and I picked the other one up and man, this, the one, the runt was literally like a third smaller than these other puppies. She wow. was just little bit. Yeah. So I picked this other one up and I'm holding her and I say, do you want to like put them down and check them out? Do you want to see this one? He was like, Nope, we're good. We can go. So <laughs> we, <laughs> Yeah, he knew, he knew. She's a, I don't know if if you've never had a bloodhound, I highly recommend you at least hanging around bloodhound puppies for a while. They have an awesome personality. They're, they're funny. They're quirky. They have, they're so expressionable and they're little, like even the way she walks, she's got, gets her little, little (laughs) and then they fling their ears. Like they have this big old long ponytail. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, that's a serious breed. I think people don't necessarily realize, like, like they see them and they're and they're. There's a lot of drool, like the cartoon. There's a lot of drool, like they're, they're picturing like the cartoon with, I think, like the pipe and then the you know the inspector, whatever. They're serious dogs, like even beyond the drool. They have definitely. They're very stubborn. Yeah, they definitely have a little mind of their. So you know, we do lots of positive reinforcement just yeah. on the recall and things like that because we want her to like always have that connection to us. And rather than, I mean, their nose is always going to get them 
get them going that, that yeah. those kids down and literally their ears shut off and they're just go. I have heard that bloodhounds can't be taught obedience. Hmm. I got some videos for you at five and a half months old. <laughs> okay. And, Rock on. Well, yeah. Okay. I have even accidentally somehow inadvertently so. taught her a freeze and stare. No I, way. It is the weirdest thing. Wow. So she's a pointing bloodhound. <laughs> she is. They're extra valuable, you know. And they are. Pay extra money for the pointing bloodhound. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> I hope everybody realizes that's a joke. The down, you know, is a lot sometimes hard with the puppy. So wherever, and I, because I, I have I have no idea where it was at. All of a sudden, one day I realized that when she would go down, she would also like have her head between her hands and she's staring at the floor. She's literally not moving. And that's what she does all the time. And so she throws that into her little bag of tricks, like so she's a sphinx. Uh-huh. Yes. Sphinx. Yeah. <laughs> With yes. long ears. Yes. I'll have I would totally get it's a floppy I'll version. I'll get it on video for you. It's it's so it's so <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I didn't that was totally unintentional. And all these people want this awesome, you know, like freeze and stare at whatever. And she just I accidentally taught it. So now I'm, I'm assuming she's gonna be a trailing dog, right? Yes. Yeah. And yes. so what do you do with a puppy that's destined to be a trailing dog? I mean, I've seen some videos, like really, really cute videos of bloodhound puppies online on Facebook and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh my God, it's incredible. Yeah, that's what do you, pretty much what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so like, what do you do? Like, how do you prep? Like what? In the beginning, it's really about just the love of this, like whatever. So, okay. Her reward is Vienna sausages. Don't don't tell any of the people that think about you know, all the nutritional value because I know there is none. However, whatever. Don't right? care. Animal chooses the reinforcer. Yes, she does. She does. Actually, it probably could be any food, but okay. So it's just basically a game of chase in the beginning. She's just a puppy. We want her to like love to go find it. Like, see me, I'm running away. She runs away. It's kind of like life find. You know, in the beginning, you just do these little runaways when the person like takes off. And then she gets to take off after him. And when she gets there, they give her Vienna's. Well, I learned real quick. She went with me on uh, recently on a, a seminar that I was teaching at in North Dakota. So we took her so that we could spend all week long in this new place doing runaways. I realized real quick that, that seeing that person running away was way too much stimulation. So we in pretty quick, like back that away. We brought the excitement down so she can see the person walk away gently. And then I pull her side where she doesn't. <laughs> yes. She doesn't see them anymore. And then, and I let her go find. And wow. she, and they're not very far away. It's uh-huh. all super easy. No pressure, super fun and lovey. And then they, the bloodhounds, they know that's just instinctual. They put that nose down and Incredible. there they go. There she is. And there's my Vienna's. <laughs> genetics are just amazing things. They're just mm-hmm. amazing things. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. So I know you do a lot of teaching. You're you're teaching. You were just up in North Dakota. You were in. You've come and taught with me. And I missed you this summer. I'm so sorry. That's so suck. Well, it just we got to see each other in May, and then it was like we did chips in we the did. night of oh my gosh, all over the place. So yep, yep. next summer, and then. You're out teaching a lot of cadaver and trailing work, right? 
for on my side of things, I'm mostly doing the cadaver. Okay. My husband, when the trailing stuff comes up, then that's that's kind of his his side of things. I have taught the tracking with the law enforcement dogs, a lot of tracking with the law enforcement dogs. And really the difference is mainly just a little bit more true to track with the tracking. And then they get air scent a little bit, I guess, with a, with a trailing or is what was your question? Air scenting, like, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. It's really one of those weird things. Cause in the search and rescue world, people will actually like come to blows about this whole, oh yeah. No, you can't have a tracking dog. That's what they do in competition. Which is where my silence came in because I was trying to like... Right, I saw you thinking ah. and I'm like, no, I'll just I'll just take it on that and... and okay, because I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Right, what and... Whatever. Yeah, so we're just going to be like this. It's tracking, it's trailing, whatever you want to yeah. call it, you do you. Yeah. In the end, the dogs are going to utilize all of their instincts and all whatever they're... Your tracking dog that has its nose down and tracking is more meant to be footstep for footstep. They're usually a short, sometimes in law enforcement, they're sometimes they're shorter, they're fresher. You know, law enforcement, they can, they're on the scene quicker than search and rescue people. They're working off that adrenaline that suspect has left behind. Yeah. Whereas your trailing dog, that's going to a lot of times be, you know, we're more time. We're 24 hours sometimes if we're lucky. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Right. They're getting, they are getting better. Absolutely. They are. Calling. Yeah. And one thing I will say about um, being down in South Carolina is the law enforcement utilizes the dogs and the search teams like immediately. It was very nice and honorable to be down there and to see like the ser- sheriff's departments have bloodhounds that they use. They call the lifeline people pretty much right away and we all go in together. Whereas what I've kind of experienced here is law enforcement a lot of times will do a lot of that initial searching on their own or, you know, whatever. And then we are kind of like called later. Six, seven, twelve, fourteen out, twenty four hours later. Yeah. Wow. Oh, but yeah. it's so it as long as we're getting called, that's what's important. Right. Yeah. When I was in Florida, we were at a at this I was there with a friend of mine and we were at one of these like Reserves where they have oh my gosh like you want the number of alligators like I literally I'm walking and I'm like <laughs> no, do I look at, the, at uh, do I look at the at the twelve foot alligator on my right or the bald eagle that's fishing on my left like I literally had to make that decision so we're walking through I mean it's got like we're got we got everything there and next thing we know we see this like this ATV right with the police officers and a bloodhound so they did find the kid but. A kid had gone missing. They did mm-hmm. find him. I found that out. But I was like, oh my gosh. And they had their bloodhound there. Yep. So clearly, yep. you know, trailing. But I can't imagine yep. actually trailing in, in those types of circumstances. Though. That's just yeah. Really, you got to watch where you step, man. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah. So keep your toes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all over teaching. Well, because you also, right now, you're doing a lot of, when you're at home, you're doing a lot of Gordon trained pet client stuff. And yes. I'm wondering, because I have my opinions, but I was liking either validated or, or shot down by somebody else. <laughs> what are some of the things that you wish handlers would pay attention to? That's a great question. Wow. It is a great question. And I actually just, what, what, what's funny? 
Well, because I was just like, I have a list. I have a litany of things. But anyway. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to have a follow-up on this one. So, you know, after, yeah. There is a list. However, I think one of the things that I see a top 10 above, maybe above everything else is we handlers are not paying attention to body language. They're so focused on that trained final response that, and we, I just had this with my last class that I taught, you know, and I would ask like, well, what does your dog do when it's in the presence of target odor or non-target odor? Uh And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what happens? What about their tail or this or that? Anyway, that I think that I, I wish that handlers could realize how important it is to catalog the body language changes, whether that's their target odor or a distractor odor, whatever it is, there are subtle things that are going to be different. And they're so focused on the train final response. And I get it. That is important. However, there's the word trained in there and there are natural things that your dog is going to do. What is it doing when it's smelling other dog urine? What is it doing when it smells a critter? All of those, the body language looks different um, with each, you know, my dog, they get excited when they're in the presence of their target odor, Uh but they're, I'm going to talk about Jude. So when she gets into the presence of target odor, you can see her following the odor. She has like a little sway that happens in her tail and she will work herself, hit her negatives, work herself all the way into that odor. And then a lot of times she'll look and make sure she can see me and then she'll do her train final response. Well, if it's a critter, I see excitement and I see a tail wag, but it is at an accelerated rate and there is no sniffing, like working out this literal odor picture in there. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Ears are forward. She's like, oh my, where'd it go? Where'd it go? It's so you right, sort of yeah. cease to exist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The body gets yeah. rigid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think um, if there was one thing that I could really get across to handlers is to really like truly get to know their dogs in the presence of target and non-target, their body language, and target and non-target odor. Totally you- agree. Spent a lot of time talking with students this weekend on being able to not only articulate, yes, you have to be able to articulate your train final response or the behavior that you catch all the time when dog is at target odor. Cause like the nose work people talk about how mm. they have the dog chooses. And I'm like, well, but if you reinforce it, it's now trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're training that look back or that nose yeah. freeze. Yes. Yeah. And what I want people to start describing are all of the, the change of behaviors that comes before that little piece. Yes. And yes. I even had a client, she's worried about her dog marking because mm-hmm. you can't do that in nose work, right? No. So I actually told her to go back and watch her videos and she actually had to write out the litanies of behaviors that happened in the dog before it decided to mark. That's awesome. So that she could start recognizing them and interrupt it. Yeah. And what I have people do is like, I want them to also understand like, when is the point that your dog understands that they're at source before they give you either their whatever kind of, final response that they're going to give you like can you identify that moment like right beforehand and what does that look like because so that they start to kind of like look for that like as the predecessor to that that train final or to the reinforced final or whatever 
whatever the dog is giving you. I tell people a lot of the times that I have started trying, I write out and catalog all of those behaviors before the train final response is given. And especially with some of my dogs, the tail winds up and Nico, the tail winds up the bark (laughs) to come out the other end. (laughs) Yeah, And in (laughs) some of the other dogs, the tail actually either goes into a propeller, you know, there's all of those things that happen that I think that, and we were sitting, having a conversation because you were Christy with us at Miskatatuck and we had nose work handlers. Mm -hmm. So I was getting ready to say, yeah, Miskatatuck. And that was just brought up this past weekend by some of my cadaver dog handlers about the skill that the nose work people have to be able to read the behavior in their dogs was amazing. Yes, it was very nice to see that. I was I was very proud. Um, I love to watch dogs work and read dogs, just whether it's in pet dog behavior or odor work. And I was very impressed with the nose work handlers and reading their dogs. It was super fun to watch. Yes. So that kind of gets to my I'm question. glad they were there with us. <laughs> well, we were happy to be there too. And it gets to my question. And, you know, because now, I mean, you've you've seen a little bit of the nose work folks that went, went to Miskatatuck. I came, I worked with you for uh, for like mm-hmm. a week. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It, and the thing is like, when, when you're working with nose work, you don't, most people don't have the opportunity to kind of see outside of their uh, sphere of experience, right? I've personally been very fortunate that I've been able to, you know, kind of observe and, and kind of immerse myself with with folks like like with Robin and, and everything and just in yourself and, and all that kind of stuff. And but most I would say most nose handlers don't have that opportunity. So given what you've seen, is there something that what would you suggest? Like what would be the biggest piece of advice for nose work handlers who really want to from an improvement, like what's the biggest piece of advice you can give them? Well, I think I learned this spending so much time with you. I didn't realize that the nose work world, there were so many things that are, what do you call it? Your hide placement is very routine for lack of better <laughs> yes, terms. It's very predictable, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. Yes. All the CEOs that are listening are going, we're not predictable. No, we're not predictable at all. No, you're predictable. Uh, yes. Yeah, you are. <laughs> What you had a term that you used for it. Yeah, I think I called it uh, formula hides. Yes, that's exactly what it was. I think I would challenge the nose work handlers to step outside of that, the formulated hide box a little bit. Yeah. And when you were here for that week and we worked Uh together, I was not given any restrictions. No, of course not. For hides, right? Yeah. And so I just kind of would put things where I, thought they would be interesting or easy or fun or whatever it might be. And they were kind of out of your box. And in the beginning, we had a little bit of an adjustment. But it was great. It was so great. It was. It was. And you and I being able to do that together and for me to see your hides were very formulated and for you to see that your dog didn't really know how to look everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like I saw a side to like powder, for instance, that I didn't because honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you, most hides for her are actually pretty easy that in nose work. It's just it's just kind of it's very natural for her. She's just kind of like she just 
she's very talented and they're not, Mm -hmm. she works them out. She figures them out. Yes. And she got a little frustrated. Yeah. And then to see, but what was interesting for me is that I got to learn what her response to frustration actually was because I had never actually seen it. Yes. Which sounds weird, but I had never actually seen it. So for it was so like educational and just opened my eyes. I really wish everybody would have that kind of opportunity to to just kind of do that. So that is super advice. If like, so how how would you go about getting outside the box? I think people don't even know what box they're in. I think that's part you're of right. It. I totally one hundred percent agree with that because I don't even obviously you didn't even realize that no. you were in a box. No, I <laughs> didn't know. I'm like box. What box? I didn't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know, know I was a in box a stinking box. I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe have other. I mean, if there are other search. But you search people for lack yeah. of better. Mm-hmm. Anybody else that does any kind of outer work, maybe get together with them and yeah. challenge each other to hides and go into it with an open mind. Yeah. Because if you do run into that frustration, be able to look at the whole situation. Yeah. And so you need to have somebody with experience, I would mm-hmm. say, like two experienced people come together. So that way, if something does go wrong, you guys can step back like you and I did Mm -hmm. and kind of be able to work through that without getting frustrated, be able to make it successful for the dog and then the handlers learning also. Yeah. So I think that, you know, nose work people and search and rescue people need to spend more time together. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. That'd be kind of cool, actually. I think it's actually, and this is one of the reasons we're doing some of this, because I also look at the narcotics explosives side Mm -hmm. of it too. Talk about a lot of formulaic hides. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yes. I get that that's why they hide stuff where they typically find stuff because that's where stupid bad people put them. Mm -hmm. Yes. But bad people aren't necessarily always stupid. And so we need to make sure that we don't train our narcotics and explosives and gun detection or whatever, arson dogs and all sorts of things in formulaic ways. Correct. Which, I agree. It does. I know that it's, I see now that it's, it's unintentional. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When you have limited training locations, you're going to have limited high placement options also. And then the size of your training aid. Correct. Interesting. Because yeah, that, that's where with nose work, we don't have that issue because it's like our, our hides can be so small, even though they create really big odor. But I, I know for me, right. it was really eye-opening when I was setting hides for search and rescue <laughs> folks. And I'm like, where do you get this? <laughs> like, there's, yes. The options are yes. like, just not as... There's just fewer <laughs> options. Yes. Well, because we have bigger busy. stuff. <laughs> there is fewer options. However, we definitely do not formulate our hides. No, 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 no. No. Mm-mm. I mean, not not in the search and rescue world. Yeah. In the narcotics world, I don't think formulating a hide was ever a term that we thought we were doing. But now that I see it, we definitely do. We, I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and, it, yeah, and it's funny because you just, you don't, don't even know that you're doing it. Well, it comes, it's, you do, but you don't. So it's one of those things that, what's patterns in our training. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we create all of those patterns and our dogs read us because they're dogs. Well, well, the odor creates patterns, right? So then the dogs are like, oh, I know this odor pattern, right? Because I know how, how this odor is presenting. And then when mm-hmm. you set a hide outside of that pattern, which is like when, Christy, when you and I got together, like the hide was outside of that pattern. Powder was like, what the heck do I do with this? Like this doesn't <laughs> compute. This is not a pattern I know. I don't know what to do. I'm working really hard and I'm going to work even harder and harder and harder. And I'm like, oh. and then we had the spinning up thing. But yeah, yeah, she did. Yes, but... Yeah. Okay. So my question for you would be uh-huh. after, sorry, I know that I'm the one that's supposed to be on the No, spot. no, no. It's, no a that's good. it's a conversation. It's a conversation. You left here and you had some competitions that you went to do. So how yeah. did stepping outside of your formulated box help you, or should I say help your dog when you moved forward into the, those next competitions? Well, she did win her summit. Yay. Yay. <laughs> she did win. And she did find, let's see, right, right before that, I guess she, yeah, she got her, uh, she found every single hide and got her elite champion. And then the next weekend she found, she won her summit. So I can say it certainly did not hurt her. I'll put it that way. Right. Do you felt like she searched differently or do you think that that was just good practice? No, you, you know, what did help me. It helped me to understand, especially because I knew her behavior when she got frustrated, right? So what it did was help me to identify that state she was in so that I could recognize that and then try to, as, a, as her handler, be able to work her out of that. Because I did recognize she had, uh, she did her last elite trial, which was after I worked with you, right? She found every single hide and we had one no. So we ended up with like a 96. There was one hide that was, it was underneath this picture frame that was set in between these windows. And we had to work that room plus the hallway, plus the room across the building, which was on the cooler side of the building. So you can imagine Mm -hmm. what was going on, right? So that odor was lofting, traveling across the hallway. And then it was actually collecting and and we had a false because it looked like an elevated hide in the wrong room. And I saw that same spin up behavior and it was so helpful for me. So then we ended up back in the correct room and she was one of only two dogs to find the hide underneath that, that picture frame. So working with you, actually not... it. I think it more helped me as a handler because I was able to see... Because we're pattern people. We're also pattern oriented, mm-hmm. right? So I was able to see when she got out, when she was experiencing something outside of a pattern that she was used to. And I was able to kind of handle her out of that. So I would have to say it was a huge benefit for me. So you learned to read body language? I learned to read her. Yeah, well, yes, right? It, is, it does come down to body language. I want to stay away from the word emotional state because it makes Robin go twitchy Crazy. and her eyes yes. start getting squinty and she starts like looking at me like, ah, right? Yeah. So I'm trying yeah. to stay away from those words, but although I'm using them anyway and I can still see her going... <laughs> So yes, so it uh, the the yes, the body language of when she is experiencing something outside of her, it was amazing. I mean, I remember like we were together, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is great." Yeah, because I could feel your stress too. Like, I don't know what's happening. What's wrong with my dog? And then I'm like, "I yeah. don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm like, so this sorry. Is I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is but, weird. it was amazing." 
season though. We just took a step back a little bit and we yeah. looked at the big picture and kudos yeah. to you for being able to think through and figure out what was happening. That was, and then... Well, I figured out my dog wasn't broken. Well, yeah. Well, I thought I broke her. No, I definitely did not break <laughs> her. And I'm like, she's just experiencing something she's just not used to. But it was so informative. I wish more people would have that kind of an opportunity. And and I know in having the nose work people there at Miskatatuck and working with yourself and Robin Houston and right and Robin Robin Grubel, right? And the, yeah. the other the others that were that were instructing, it was such an, a, a fantastic opportunity. It was. It was it was fun. It really, really was. So we've talked a little bit about dogs. And as you know, we spend a lot of time as instructors and you with the police officers and everything mm-hmm. teaching the people right mm-hmm. yeah sorry <laughs> which i know <laughs> the, the rest of listening land couldn't see the face but we did and the besides so one of the things we actually spent a lot of time talking about and this is one of the the reasons i thought to ask you this is one of the reasons I love training with you is because not only is it a safe learning environment because you're not going to let me totally mess things up, but you do a really good job of being like, hey, (laughs) handler bias person, what are you doing? (laughs) So what are some of the things that you look at and that you're like, oh, if I do this to somebody, it's going to teach them a valuable lesson. Um, we started using time pressure a lot. Yes, yes. Um, I actually did time pressure at my last seminar. Were you done asking me? Were you finished with your question? I'm no. sorry. Okay. That was like an open-ended question of, well, what what are some things that you think of and you might like give for ideas for people to, to use? That's really tough because I don't ever like go into a situation with like an exact idea i base it on the do- speaking of dogs the handler and the dog like what do i feel they can handle where are they at in their training so the time pressure is not to see how fast somebody can do something per se but it is the pressure of putting things together you're putting your the how quickly is the flow working are you watching your dog? Do you have a, a pattern, a system that you're following? Are, can you see the behavior changes in your dog? Can you call it? And without somebody putting that time pressure on you, you don't feel that little bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not really an answer to your question, but that's where the time pressure problems come in good. I don't know if I have an like, exact answer to that because it depends on the handler and the person. I, I thought you'd have a brilliant answer because it really does depend on the person standing in front of you as to whether, are you going to call it? I mean, sometimes even the words, are you going to call the search finished? Mm-hmm. You can see their anxiety spike. And it's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, it's okay when mm-hmm. you do that. But anyway, okay. I like to challenge each handler and each and their dog problem by problem and day by day. If we're together for multiple days, I'm going to look at what's going on on day one. And does it matter what somebody said on a phone conversation or or an email, being able to watch that person work in person, you learn that much more. So just because they said one thing, 
during our little interview on paper doesn't mean that that's how they're going to present and act when we're in person together. So I'm going to assess their competence, Mm -hmm. their skill, all of these things together, and then I'll figure out what kind of pressure I feel like they can handle and where to, where to push just a little bit. My last seminar that I taught at in North Dakota, one of the girls had a kind of a young dog. And the thing that I felt was a little bit, a little bit unfortunate for her was that she had not moved past clicking nose on for six Mm -hmm. months, Mm -hmm. six months. Mm -hmm. So what had happened, she had inadvertently trained her dog to find odor and immediately spin to her because that's what it was used to doing because that's the pattern that they, she had rewarded for six months. That's not what she wanted. Mm-hmm. So um, they had not expanded their search area very much. So I think of all of these little things and then I'm going to, and then maybe I'm going to expand her search area a little bit. Maybe we're going to, so it just depends mm-hmm. on what I can see. If I would have walked in there and knew those things and saw A, B, or C, then I might not have been able to do C, D, and E, which I, you know, by the end of that, we were working towards what she wanted her trained final response to be. We had backed up and done some foundation drills. And then when we did make things a little bit more challenging, like maybe make her search area bigger. And she was like, oh no, I don't think we've ever done an area this big. It's okay. We can adjust if we see. Yeah. So to yeah. be able to build that confidence in that handler into or dog, whichever it might be. I mean, it's both actually, mm-hmm. and be able to adjust if something maybe doesn't work out. But I think all in all, there is no magic answer. It's based on each person individually. I will say that my last law enforcement class, the handler that frustrated me the most and I unfortunately yell at the most is the most successful handler of the class. <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh my gosh. I was so frustrated with that person. And I would catch myself in the moment because, you know, I didn't feel like they were hearing me or retaining things. And I just in that moment be like, Rah! and then <laughs> two minutes later, I'm like, okay, so, and I would feel a little bit polar sometimes, but he has sent me numerous, even pictures of their recovery, not recoveries, their fines Fines. that they have on the streets, their fines. Yes. And he'll tell me about the tracks that he, he runs with his dog. So that's exciting. Those are proud, proud mom moments. Yeah. And I always say all that yelling came in handy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. I don't think students understand that sometimes when they just send you, even if it's like three sentences of, hey, by the way, this happened today. Yeah. And it's not like I take credit for what they did, but if I had a small part in making that team successful, yeah, that's the stuff that I go in and read when I'm feeling like I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the nice thing about Facebook when people like tag you and like, look how good we did. And I'm like, oh my God, you. I think that thought today to myself, like, what am I going to talk about? Do I have what to share, what not to share? You know, you think through all of these things. I had a message from Messenger that came through from a teammate of somebody that was in one of my classes recently that said, 
this person was just in your class. I have not seen this much improvement from this person in however much time. I was so proud this weekend when we were at our unit training. Wow. And I thought, excellent. There's my sign that. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice to, so to cool. hear that and think that it's, and it was somebody else. Yeah. That, that recognized so cool. it. That is so cool. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Christy, one of the things that we typically do at the end of our little time together is we ask for takeaways. So I'm going to make Stacy go first. <laughs> so you make me go first. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make you go first. So yeah. for us, we'll do takeaways. And for you, you can do what you want people to take away the most from this conversation. And we're going to put all of your contact information and stuff in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to kiss Christy, She's in the Kansas City area, but she travels. Mm -hmm. I do. She's amazing. She's amazing. So we'll make that. So Stacey, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is get out of your box. Like you don't even know that you're in a box. Whatever you can do, seek to try to find out what your box is so you can get out of it. That is like the biggest thing. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll go next because that gives Christy more time to think. So mine is the body language thing. And it not only is it the body language of the dogs, but it's the body language of the human Mm -hmm. that you can get so much information either to or from or push or pull or whatever with your dog that you don't have to talk. Yes. That's another thing that I pointed out a lot. Good, good comment because I see it too. Yeah. We're verbal creatures. Mm -hmm. So, okay, ma'am, what's yours? Okay, remind me again. Takeaways. Take <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just stalling. Okay. So my takeaways, I would say find a good mentor and somebody that you can trust. Somebody that, you know, will point things out about you or your dog. Somebody that will call you out if you need to be called out. That's absolutely right. And the nice thing is, you can reach out to me and Stacy. We can put you in touch with Christy. Christy mentors. I mentor. Stacy mentors. Crystal mentors. So there's, or we can, if you really need an in-person mentor, we can point you hopefully to somebody good that's in your area because the canine world's pretty small. <laughs> so yes, and I know who I'd rather work with. So anyway. Christy, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We greatly appreciate it. Anytime. We could kick back anytime. I know. So I'm going to recommend to everybody to go train. Canine Detection Collaborative. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to K9DetectionCollaborative.com. That's K number nine, DetectionCollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.